Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. Sonia Sullivan, welcome back to Irishman Running Abroad. You really have been running abroad. You were all over the place seeing incredible things take place this week. How was it to see world records smashed in the way they were in Spain this week? Yeah, that was something else. Like, you know, I went down there just to kind of, I suppose, help out with the pacemakers and make sure that they knew what they were doing. And, uh, you know, they got to the track on time and then you know, doubled up with a bit of commentating for the world record. But I, I didn't really go in there, you know, I suppose, expecting the, the results that we got. It was really surprising. And particularly, I think, um, let's let bet giddy, like when the women's 5,000 metres. And because I suppose I would relate a lot to that and understand the split times and, you know, what it would take to run at such speed, and when she ran that, you know, the first race, and there was only two real big races, there was a couple of local races before, then you, you kind of felt that there was a bit of pressure on Josh, Joshua Cheptegei to get out there. And, uh, you know, the world record was kind of promoted with his face on it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so nothing like a, a woman putting a man <laughs> under pressure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, this is... Uh a great opening to what we're going to talk about today on the episode with World Mental Health Day taking place on Saturday. I'm sure you guys saw the bonus episode of Irishman Abroad that went out with Blind Boy, Richie Sadlier, Marion Keys, Caroline Four, and just to name a few. Really proud of that episode. It was the first time that I ever really spoke about my own mental health journey at length and had someone else put the questions to me. You mentioned here uh, the pressure of having the world watching you. I mean, over the course of your life, Sonia, you've had all eyes on you a lot, a lot more than most people could ever comprehend. What did that do to you to start with, having that like early on? Well, I think, you know, I suppose when things are going well, it's you love it, you know, and you're kind of like you don't even think twice about it, you know, because you're just getting, you know, all the praise. And, you know, I suppose it's all very positive feedback. But, you know, I suppose the it becomes more of a pressure when you've achieved a really high level and then you've got to back it up and do it again and do it even greater on a higher stage. And like I suppose I was always someone who kind of, push it to the side and didn't really kind of focus on it too much and focus more on the the physical aspect of training but there was definitely you know some some de- some 
I suppose, downs or lows as well as the highs. You know, throughout my career, I often describe it as a bit of a, a roller coaster of events. And, you know, often, I suppose, you can disguise those lows and move on when you get a good race. So it is a bit of a roller coaster in that, you know, once you get back up on the so it's back up on the horse again and things are going well. You never really get to the bottom of, you know, what, I suppose, how you really felt when things weren't going well and um, how you dealt with that. And I think I was in an era where we probably didn't talk a lot about, definitely didn't talk about mental health. And, you know, it was definitely, I think, left up to the athletes to deal with it themselves. And, you know, in some ways... I would consider myself lucky because, you know, I was able to deal with it. You know, when you're, I mean, I would consider myself a strong person. And even though you'd have moments of weakness and, you know, you would be hard to face anything, you know, going for a run even, um, you know, going out to talk to people that, you know, you have to kind of build yourself back up again to see the positive in what you're doing over, you know, something that might have knocked you down a little bit. And, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's one of those things that in recent years and recent times, I've kind of understood it a lot more. And it's probably why I appreciate running much more now, you know, at this stage in my life than I did, you know, when I was competing. I didn't really see it as, I suppose, in an outlet like that because it had more of a purpose in you know winning races and chasing records and medals and then there was a little bit in the middle where I was definitely unsure and I think if I had known then how important running could have been to give me a more of a kind of upbeat and positive view of life then it definitely would have helped me a lot more but it took me a long time to realize that and that was probably because I was dealing with it a lot myself and, you know, there wasn't anybody there telling me that, you know, running is good for you. You've got to keep doing it. It was more, well, you're not running fast enough anymore. You're not competing at the high level. Why are you running? You know, it was kind of questioned why I would want to keep doing it. And um, I suppose in a way I just kind of fell into it as a positive in my life that, you know, is such a huge part of my life now. Well, later in the show, we talked to John Connell, the author of The Running Book and The Cow Book. People may already know of John and he gets into what you're talking about there, Sonia, about viewing it as a wider thing, even as a spiritual thing. And I, I think that's fascinating to hear you talk about how little thought was given to what I prefer to refer to as mental wellness. I think the word health, I even got a, a lovely email from a listener after the show on Saturday, just about confusing those two words, because we all just have a health. It's wellness that we're chasing and that we're really pursuing through these activities, these methods and behaviours and practices. I just thought that was an important distinction to make, but also just fascinating that it wasn't part of the equation when we consider how much it is now. So are you telling me that like your approach back then was quite the tough guy kind of attitude, the, you know, the Brian Clough or Roy Keane aspect of things, uh, you know, toughen up bury that feeling rather than picking it up, examining it 
and seeing is there any worth to this thought that I've had? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think I would definitely you kind of allow yourself to, you know, what I would describe as sulk for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. And then, you kind of, um, say, you know, you try and tell yourself to wake up and wake up to yourself. And, um, you know, and you look around, I suppose, and you see everything that you've got and you look at and you appreciate it. You know, you kind of I suppose there's moments in your life when you don't appreciate what you have. And so you have to remind yourself sometimes to do that. And so I would see it like in a kind of a sporting kind of view, which would reflect on life as well, would be, you know, the emotional energy. And if that's high or low and, you know, if your emotional energy is low, then it's very difficult to do anything. Um, I know one time I was in I was in Moscow for a, um, a race. It was the Grand Prix final and you know, it, it was actually 1998. It was after the European Championships, and I'd won the World Cross Country Championships earlier in the year, the long and the short race, and then the European Championships, the 10,000 and the 5,000. And then I kind of set myself a goal that was a bit too high to try and, you know, run a fast time. And, you know, I suppose the you're coming from the emotional high of winning an event and everything that goes with that to then having to pick yourself up again. And you go to run this race where you're not really ready for it. And then all of a sudden I think I'm like terrible, you know, it's like, you know, in the space of less than two weeks, I can go from being the best in the world to the worst in the world. And like the damage that that can do to you, you know, in all sorts of ways. So I ran this race in Moscow, ran rubbish. And then I remember the day after and um, Nick, he wanted to go to um, up to the Red Square and go for a run up there. And I was like, it was like I couldn't even pick my feet up. Like I could hardly run. And I was like, just didn't want to do it. And, you know, it's like I, it's like you just, you weigh like twice as much as you weigh. You just can't carry yourself. And it was, you know, it's just a strange thing. And you get there and you're kind of like, oh yeah, I'm glad that I, you know, came and saw this. And it's a memory. And even though it wasn't a very positive memory for me, it's still something that I did, you know, I could have just sat in my hotel room and did nothing and waited for the plane. But instead I did something, you know, different, you know, it kind of went in some ways, you know, I wasn't, when you go to races, you go to the airport, the hotel, the track, and you don't always get to look around, but there was this time. And then it was right around then that I realized that you do have to appreciate these trips that you go on and you may never come back again. So you've got to go and do something. And, um, when we came back from that trip, I just kind of made my mind up that, you know, I was, I had another race the following week and I just decided, you know, no, you're going to go out there Monday morning and you're going to feel good running. And I just convinced myself that, you know, this was just a bad couple of days and get myself going again. But it was all a lot of self-talk. And I suppose in some ways you'd have committed to something. And if you tell someone that you're going to do something and then your confidence in your belief starts to grow a little bit again and you start to think of you know everything you've done to get to that point and realize that there's more positive than negative so you've got to go with the positive and you know kind of find yourself again and then you know it just turns everything around and it's like you're a totally different person in all sorts you know physically emotionally mentally everything you just 
happier, I suppose, is the, the word that you would, you know, the, the simplest word to use. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you bring this up because I've obviously had this conversation with John Connell prior to our uh, conversation here. And people are going to get to hear that chat here in part on the main feed and the patrons will obviously get to hear the entire conversation with John Connell in a little bit. But he, you know, he says a lot of what you're saying there about actually the movement, that it was the enjoying the movement itself is the key. And he, he went away from running and left it alone for a long part of his life. And it was only when he came back with the benefit of hindsight that he recognised that actually doing things like Red Square, as you say, and re understanding the history that surrounds you as you move through the world can be a big part of the enjoyment. I'm interested, though, Sonia, that you say the You've said that a few times on the show about it being a roller coaster. Do you think that you would have been more successful as an athlete if you had taken, say, a more level, if you'd managed to level the highs and lows or was part of being an elite athlete and achieving at the level you did that you had to nearly embrace the darkness of those times so that you had the motivation to go, I'm not going back there. I'm going to win. Yeah, that's something I, I have talked about this before, just with friends and with Nick as well. And, you know, if if you had a more kind of even career, maybe I could have went on for longer, but then maybe you wouldn't have reached the highs that I reached because I think there was times when I dug so deep to get to those highs that, you know, there had to be a low coming after it. But then maybe it was because I wasn't overall balanced in everything, you know. And so with the high of winning a race and running a fast time, everything was high. And but then you just came crashing back down again at some point, like you could keep going for a good few weeks at a time. But because I would push myself so hard in both training and in racing that, you know, there was always this time at this kind of time of the year where you just kind of run out of steam and you come crashing back down and you just didn't have any energy to, you know, train at the level that I believed that I needed to train at. And, you know, when you train and race at a high level, there's always somewhere in your mind that thinks that you have to be able to do that all the time. And when you can't do that, then you kind of beat yourself up over it because you become impatient and you want to get there quicker. And so I think maybe I could have learned to deal with those kind of off times better. And then maybe I might have been able to reach more highs for longer. But, you know, I, I think you definitely had to, I don't know, just really dig deep to get really to really kind of reach the highest level, particularly, I think, when everything probably wasn't balanced in my life. Oh, and what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean everything wasn't balanced in my life? I think I, I definitely I think it's this whole emotional energy. And so I think I was very I was quite emotional runner and I was emotional in like everything I did. So I was affected by things greater. Right. Yeah. So like if I had a bad train, if I had a bad training session or, you know, then the next run wouldn't feel good. And 
mm. you know, then you you wouldn't be sleeping or eating as yeah, that had a knock-on well effect. As, yeah, yeah. So you kind of it was like if one thing was bad, then everything was bad, and then I had to nearly draw a line in the stand, sand and say, okay, I'm going to start again now. And like I'm I'm a big believer. <laughs> I'm not sure if believer is the right word, but I'm a big, what I do is I'll pick out a day or a date. And, you know, if I'm going to set myself a goal of doing something, okay, I'm going to start on Monday. Or I'm going to start on the first of the month. And, you know, so then I kind of allow myself the kind of, what would you say? I suppose it's, you, you're starting with the sacrifices that you make to be the best best version of yourself that you think you can be or that I think I can be so in order to do that I kind of have to have a few like kind of um treats or I don't know what's the word like um kind of you, you have to have things that you deny yourself right there and has to be a carrot on the end of the stick I know people misinterpret yeah. the carrot and the stick method, that they want to beat you with the stick. Or is the stick got a string on it with a carrot hanging off the end of it? But I know what you mean. There needs to be a, a denial or a sacrifice or yeah. some... So like I'm, I'm, I, I can't always be turned on all the time and focused all the time. I need the kind of downtimes and the, you know, having a few drinks, having, you know, some ice cream desserts, you know, going out, having fun. But... I don't. I only like so much of that, and then I know. No, this isn't what I really want to do. I, I need to, kind of. I suppose get myself back in a routine again and the structure, and because that's what I truly like is to have that structure and routine in my life. But, but I need. I need some off days every now and then, and you know, I think if you can, somehow get the off days in the right mix, then you don't have so many off days in a row. So then your overall kind of stability and levels of emotional energy will kind of be a bit more balanced and then you don't have the kind of highs and the troughs as deep as, as they can be. I think uh, what I've read about what you're talking about there, and I know that it is hard for a lot of us to relate on the surface to, you know, a world-class athlete talking about this kind of balance, but there are a lot of parallels in that we all know what it f feels like to fall off the wagon or to feel like I can't get into my routine. And the best thing I read on this in the past month was just this idea of self-care and how self-care gets a little bit twisted with people into believing that, you know, self-care and self-kindness is watching movies and eating Ben and Jerry's. When in fact, dis discipline is the best form of self-care because then when you do have your Ben and Jerry's in a movie night, you really appreciate it. Whereas the opposite of self-care is having that every single night of the week. And I feel like we, we could talk about your psychology and your mental wellness for two and a half hours on here, because <laughs> the, the stuff that you're describing there about the highs and the, the lows of it, but also the stuff that we haven't really touched on yet with you, Sonia, is being a winner and the difficulty you must have had post-career to turning that off because that doesn't really go away does it in the same way as when we watch the last dance you can nearly sense that michael jordan is competitive to have the best documentary ever made 
being a competitor with that fire in you it's in the DNA, right? It doesn't, you can't, you nearly have to work really hard to turn it off. Yeah, I mean, you do get challenged, you know, you can, or you can get challenged in, you know, daily activities or daily life scenarios, you know. And I can't even think what to describe as one now, but, you know, even, I mean, sometimes, you know, if you're in the airport and, or, you know, in somewhere where people are walking together and there's people on the escalator and then there's the stairs. And do you do you take the escalator or do you take the stairs? Well, then I, I always take the stairs because unless you're in the tube in London, everybody stops on the escalator. And it's harder now because everybody's got to be a few meters apart. So you can't really go racing up the escalator and, you know, come in the back of someone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, if you take the stairs, then you're more likely to be, you know, carving out your own path. And there's very few people do that. And I suppose by doing that, I feel like I'm doing something good for myself. You know, when you've been sitting down for a sure. while and you get up and, you're, you know, the you're out there victories. and you're. So that, that feels like you're doing something, you know, positive, you know, rather than just standing there again. Or, you know, if you, I don't know, if you've been. If you turn up somewhere and you're waiting and someone says, oh, take a seat, is the, but you don't always want to take a seat. No, I'm happy to stand. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just like these things that people naturally do. And you kind of think, well, why would you take a seat when I've been driving in the car for three hours? I understand. A few people, like it is interesting, these tiny things, because I've had a few listeners on to me about something Paul Howard said in his episode about being with you when you lost a set of shoes on the metro in Paris and how it was, you know, ringing around trying to get a hold of them. And then the sponsor provides you with a pair of red shoes. And you said to Paul, according to Paul, sure, everybody knows you can't run in red shoes. <laughs> is that is that another example of one of these tiny things that you're just like, nah, that's not going to work? Or is there a bigger thing behind you can't run in red shoes no it was just one of these stupid things at the time you know i mean i think back then in the when was that the early 90s 2000s 2000s 90s, yeah. 90s? i don't know <laughs> the early... it was a fashion thing was it <laughs> no no it was um like generally runners like the shoes were white but if you put a pair of i mean in sydney i wore black shoes and People say to me, oh, "If you didn't, if you wore, if you didn't wear those black shoes, you would have won." <laughs> no because if you watch someone running in black shoes, they look like they're moving much slower. Really? And at the time, so Nike had these white shoes and red shoes, and they were pretty much the same shoe. But the Kenyans refused to wear the red shoes because they said that no, the red shoes were slow. <laughs> and because I was training with them in London, and I had this in my head, yeah, and I just. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was lots of other things going on at the time. And again, it comes back to this whole emotional energy. And I was definitely a bit, there was a few things bothering me back then that, you know, I wasn't as focused as I needed to be. And I was kind of distracted by other things that were going on around me that, you know, I should have been able to put that aside and focus on what I was there to do. And so, and many times I was able to do that. But the shoes were a great excuse. And you just say, no, those shoes. I can't run well in those shoes. Interesting. And that was the, you know, that was kind of, 
And when, when, when something like that is going to bother you, then you know that, you know, there's a bit of, it's like, there's a bit of a chink in your armor and you're, you're beatable. And, you know, there's other times in your career and when you line up for a race that, you know, something like that, it wouldn't even cross your mind. Yeah. So yeah. it's definitely it's a reflection of something else. Yeah. Yeah. So to now take a dip into where we are in terms of our own, uh, training journey here, uh, I did my longest run this week, which is going to seem tiny to everybody else, but I hit 8K this week in my long Sunday run and it felt incredible, Sonia, I'll be honest with you. And I really marveled at how your training plan has taken my pace up an awful lot. When I look back on it, uh, the first run at Ashford Castle on my birthday, running like at a pace of seven plus minutes per kilometre, now to be you know, in around five ish is is bananas to me. I can't I kind of can't wrap my head around it. And it's it's also a game week for us as well. We've got the great pink run this weekend that everybody's very excited about. Uh, where are you going to run it yourself? Well, I actually just got my great pink run T-shirt came in the post today. So I've, I've, I've got a pink shirt to wear <laughs> and um, I'm not sure. Generally, I, I look at the weather, but um, yeah, I'll be around Cove for sure. I won't be very far from here. So um, get a gang I, together. Um, I have to find a nice flat route somewhere. Yeah. And um, yeah, I will have to definitely put the word out and get a few more people to join me. I think I've seen a few from Ballymore Cove we're um, going to sign off and run as well. And um, yeah, we post a few photos off afterwards and um, yeah, we'll, um, you know, have a bit of fun. Yeah, I mean, this, but the, you're going to aim, you're going to aim for 10K. So you got to get up there another two kilometers. It's, it's good. It's big. It's big. And it's part of, you know, the bigger thing that we've been hinting at, which is the aim to run the Dublin City Marathon in October 2021. And I'm happy to announce, big announcement really, uh, I've kind of given Sonia an early insight into what the plan is here. But uh, as you know, our chosen charity partner on the podcast and all Irishman Abroad podcasts is Jigsaw.ie, an unbelievable youth mental health charity back home in Ireland that helps young people across all communities gain the mental health skills they'll need to survive in life, never mind a pandemic. Well, I have committed this week and have launched my idonate.ie page for Irishman running abroad and our challenge. And everyone's marathon is different. I mean, that's that's kind of the uh, the ethos that we started the whole show with. Whatever it is for you that is a large distance. For me this week, it's 10K. For you, it might just be getting running at all. Well, you have the opportunity here to join me and Sonia and take on these monthly challenges towards Dublin City Marathon. And it doesn't mean you have to run it, but I'll be logging my kilometres and the euros I'm raising at iDonate and my challenge page. And I want you and the listeners to join me as each month we take on a different challenge, raise vital funds to support young people's mental health in Ireland by supporting Jigsaw.e. So the place to go is idonate.ie forward slash Jigsaw. And the first event connected to that is going to be 
on Halloween night. It should be a bit of crack. Sonia, is it? Have I taken on? Have I bitten off too much here? I mean, the plan. I didn't know what your message meant when you said that's an awful lot. But I, I really want to raise. <laughs> I really want to raise fifty k, and I really want to. I, I'm kind of puzzled it out that I need to run two thousand kilometers in the space of the year in order to be fit and well enough to run the marathon. Is that crazy stuff? Um, no, no, that's very achievable. Lots of people run the marathon on less distance. But, you know, we want to get you there so that you can enjoy it. And, you know, you're, you you want to be prepared for it as best you can. And I think, you know, by committing to it this early, so you're pretty much a year out from Dublin Marathon next year, and hopefully it will be, an event where everybody will be lining up together in some kind of format. Um, there's so many virtual events at the moment. When I was at the London Marathon for the elite race and when they were going back on the bus afterwards, you could see all these people running around the parks in London and they were all wearing their numbers. And it was something like 40, at least 40,000, if not 45,000 people signed up virtually to run the London Marathon. And even though they weren't all doing it together, which is a great way to do it. And it's it's so much fun. And particularly in Dublin is really, really great. The crowds are amazing, both in the race and watching on the sidelines. Um, I think when people do such a big event as the London Marathon virtually together, that even though they're doing it in small little groups, that they feel like all these other people are also running a marathon on the same day at somewhat similar time, that in some way they are all doing it together and you get to feel you know that energy of you know everybody committing to one thing on one day absolutely and we can have that every month with the irishman abroad running challenge as i mentioned join our strava group strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash irishman running abroad i think i've been calling that out incorrectly on the show but it'd be incredible to get all of you guys listening to have that sense of unity that Sonia's described there. I'm working on the Irishman running abroad, running snood, which I think would be the coolest piece of running kit that we could offer people. Yeah. Um, That's like one of these things that you put around your neck, isn't it? Exactly. And it doubles up as a bit of a face mask and even a a bit of a warm hat. I have a brilliant uh, supplier organised and I'll be announcing that very soon. I know, Sonia, you were involved in the launch of John Connell's The Running Book. The, the book is incredible, is it not? It is great. You know, it's, you know, the running book, people kind of would think maybe it's going to give you a bit of a training program and have a few numbers and times and distances in there. But it's actually more about what you think about when you're out running. And I found when I read the book and I had a, read it about a month ago, so I had a preview of it, that when I then went out for a run, I started to think about things differently and you kind of look around a bit more and you appreciate things a bit more than, you know, you normally put your head down and your 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 pods in and, you know, just (laughs) run along. But to actually be more aware of your surroundings and appreciate it and and then even to go back later on, like sometimes we run up, um, there's a railway line from Passage West up to Black Rock Castle and like when we come back and if you're a little bit early and you're waiting for the ferry to come across from Cove there's a couple of little monuments close by 
And there's a bit of history there about this serious yacht that, you know, was the first sailing boat to cross the Atlantic Ocean. And there's a piece of this boat, you know, it's kind of saved as a monument on the side of the the water. And, you know, you could just run past that so many times and not pay any attention, but just kind of to take the time and notice these things and say to yourself, I must come back and read about that now and see what that is. Absolutely. Um, you know, at, at some later time. And just, just take the time, you know, to not always be rushing and think that, you know, you have to always be ruled by the stopwatch. Well, I'm so happy that we've got John Connell's conversation with me recorded earlier today on the show. The book is called The Running Book and it explores what it is to be alive and what movement can do for a person. I have to say it is deeply moving and intimate and kind of wide ranging. It's both local and global. And John is just a fabulous writer, historian, and you'll understand everything I'm saying here when you listen to this conversation. We've got a sample of it for you to enjoy if you're listening to us now on SoundCloud and iTunes or come on over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad now and gain access to hundreds of episodes of Irishman Abroad, including a bunch of running ones specific, including Kieran O'Linard, uh, Dervil O'Rourke and many, many more besides. But this is my conversation with John Connell. And for this week, Sonia, I will say good luck to you and thanks again. And we'll talk to you again next Tuesday. We'll talk to you next Tuesday and good luck with your running this week and um, yeah, your 10k on the weekend. I look forward to, <laughs> to check up on you. Don't start too fast. <laughs> yeah, that's always my problem. Thanks a lot, Sonia. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, no problem. Okay, talk to you soon. John Connell, welcome to An Irishman Running Abroad, our first kind of feature interview on this spin-off series for Irishman Abroad. And there isn't a more perfect book for our show than this one, particularly for, I felt, me. I felt like this book spoke to me as the new runner. But equally, I'd imagine that you're finding that this book speaks to people who are running much further than me, because you, in your first run in the book, you're passing 35k and you articulated in such a way that any level of runner will understand that we don't know what lies in the land past that point when we go to where we've never run before. Did you think straight away when you got back into running, returned to it, that this is something that I have to write about? Yeah, Charlotte, it's great to be on the show. So thanks, first of all, for having me on. Not at all. Uh, I'm loving the, the new running stuff. Yeah, it's a really good question. Did I think about uh, running? So I suppose to go back, I would have had some some personal problems and running was a way to kind of find a new way of being. And running was also something that brought me enormous joy. I think that's the most important thing. Dr. George Sheehan, who I talk about in the book, talks about finding your masterpiece and making every day a masterpiece, but most importantly, finding the joy in the moment. And I think running brings me such pleasure that in a way I wanted to bring that to other people. And 
you know, I think the running bug, uh, that's what George Sheehan called it, I think it's a good description because once it gets into people, we can all fall in love with movement. And, um, you know, I'm thrilled to hear you say you think this is the perfect book for the for the show. It's been a real gamble for me. I wrote I wrote the cow book, um, which was about farming, and then you know I've I've done a complete 360 and wrote about running, and uh, so that has been a that uh, you have to follow your passions and and follow your intuition to a certain extent, but also you know I've gone into a totally different territory, sports and 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 memoir, and uh, but I think the reaction has been really good, and I suppose one thing I noticed particularly since um, COVID hit is the amount of people who are now running. And I suppose if I could only do one thing with this book, it would be to help people to fall in love with movement, whether it's walking, jogging, running or or ultramarathons. So that's my conversation with John Connell. As I said, the book is out now, The Running Book. Uh, he even sent me an audio version of it, which is read by John. So if you like his voice, it's really perfect accompaniment when you're out there putting in your miles or kilometres. As I said, our big event this weekend is The Great Pink Run. But I do urge you to come over to idonate.ie forward slash jigsaw and join me on the Irishman Abroad Running Challenge. And as I said, to hear the full conversation with John, come over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad now.